Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. You know, tonight, uh, Lauren and I have been out running errands all over the place, and we stopped off at this quaint little tavern in the mountains, back way off the beaten pathway, uh, to have a drink, and we did that and relaxed and chatted for a while, and then finally it came time to, to go, and I went to the bathroom, and I opened the door. It was one of those one-seaters, and uh, the toilet is just full of, like, obviously four or five guys pee. And I thought, well, is, is, is this toilet stopped up? So I flushed it, and oh! Hallelujah. Amazingly enough, the toilet flushed just perfectly. I thought to myself, what is wrong with people? They can't even flush the freaking toilet. I mean, I don't know if you are one of these people listening to the podcast who goes into a bathroom and just pees on top of somebody else's pee or or takes a dump on, on top of somebody else's dump or whatever, but please. Just, you know, flush it. You, surely you're flexible enough if you have to to lift your leg up and use your toe and just, you know, flush it with your toe if that's what you what you need to do. I understand. Trust me. We live in a nasty world uh, when it comes to bathrooms especially. But I, I just don't understand why that some people are so friggin' lazy they can't even flush a toilet. So you might ask yourself, well, why in the world... Am I hearing this right now? Well, I guess because that uh, if I can make this small contribution to society to to tell people, listen, this is a good thing. This is expected of you. If you live here amongst the rest of us, you have to flush the friggin' toilet. Well, maybe that will make some kind of an impact, and the next time you decide to go to the toilet, you'll think about that. But anywho, I was talking to Lauren about all these weird lights in the area, you know, the brown mountain lights. And of course, last night I did a big uh, podcast about the brown mountain lights and similar ghost lights and spook lights and things like that. And I told her that I actually, um, sometimes I feel like and that maybe I was born a little bit too late because I enjoy writing short stories and poems and things like that. And and you could have done uh, quite well for yourself in the late 1800s, 1910s, 19-teens, 1920s, all the way up to maybe the 1940s. You could even push it to the 1950s. Uh, when it comes to the idea that there were publications out there that valued short stories. And I, throughout my life, have had all kinds of different ideas for short stories. And sadly enough, I will probably never write them uh, because if I did, I just don't know where they would go. I don't know where they would fit in the world these days in the year 2017. But because... 
last night I was talking about ghost lights. I figure, well, what the hell? I may as well tell you this one story that I've had in my mind for a long time that I always thought would make a cool short story. So let's see what you think. This is a story set in like the late 1860s, early 1870s. This old pioneer guy, he goes out into the woods on a hunting trip and he gets disoriented and he gets lost and the sun goes down and now he's really disoriented. At least he's got a pretty bright moon above so he can see the light glint off the trees. It's not like he's in pitch blackness. He can kind of see his way around a little bit. But he knows he's in the middle of nowhere. So the old pioneer guy, he looks out and he sees this patch of pale blue light in the distance between the branches and the woods. Now this guy, he has heard all the same stories that I told you about. He knows about the will of the wisp. He knows that if you follow the will of the wisp, it can lead you to your doom. But he says, oh, what the hell? I'll follow it a little ways. So the guy starts going through the woods, and he's following it left, right. He's tramping over brambles and bushes. And it's one of those things where it's like, no matter how close he seems to get to this patch of pale blue light, it almost seems like it's keeping an equal distance and he just can't ever quite catch up to it. So as this pioneer goes following this light, who knows how much time goes on. Uh, there may even come a point in the story when the guy decides to lay down and just take a nap or something. He's so exhausted. And he gets up, and there's that light, that pale blue patch of light off in the distance of the trees under the moon that he just continues to follow. And he's wondering, is this thing leading me to my doom? Or is it leading me to salvation? Well, the more he follows this light, he finally gets to a point where he starts seeing some other lights. Like maybe there's a town. Maybe there's some kind of civilization there. And he gets closer and closer to all those other lights, and the light he has been following sort of disappears. So he says, oh, my goodness, this must be a town up ahead. So the guy gets closer and closer to what he thinks is a town, and he hears, gunshots. So, of course, he's very skittish. But then finally, he decides to come out of the woods. He breaks that boundary from the forest, from the wilderness. And sure enough, he is now in a little town. And up ahead of him, he sees a group of men all gathered around in a circle. And they're hooping and hollering and they're talking to each other. 
and he walks up and breaks his head in to see what they are all hooping and hollering about. And he looks down on the ground, and there, on the ground, dead, is an albino black bear. So, this whole night, or however long this takes place, what he's been following is the reflection of the moon off the fur of this albino black bear, which is kind of ironic, isn't it? You don't think of a black bear being albino, but there are albino black bears. And he follows that black bear back, and then they kill the damn thing. Now, I know you might be crying right now. You might be very sad over the fact that this black bear that just that doesn't exist, that I uh, created for you in my imagination, <laughs> is dead. But I thought to myself, hmm, wouldn't that be an interesting story? Uh, you know, one of those old pioneer short story type tales. Now, there's a part of me that thinks, well, someday I'd like to write that story, and I'd like to write it well. I'd like to write it with great detail. I'd like to write it with enormous drama and suspense. But I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to write that. I don't know if I'll ever have the time or the motivation. But at least down there, you know the story. And it's funny because when you think about the idea that there are certain mysterious lights out there that can lead us into unusual places, well, you also have to think about the fact that, hmm, what if sometimes there are much more natural explanations for these things? And it may seem supernatural on the surface. It plays into your expectations. It plays into your hopes and dreams and all that business. It may not be, however, what you think it's going to be, but it still nonetheless works. It's some kind of thing that brings you where you want to be. It's just a matter of perspective. So, that said, I guess I'll go ahead and tell you, uh, I'm also pretty excited tonight because I'm always looking for new and fun, you know, like, Things that I can dig into and bring to you that maybe you wouldn't get any other way than through this particular completely independent podcast. And exactly two weeks from tonight, I am uh, I have a plane ticket already, and Lauren and I are going to go to Nevada. And uh, we're going to be scoping out some places in Nevada that I might be interested in setting up a West Coast base camp in because, you know, most of my life here, yes, I've traveled all over the place, but, um, you know, I was born in, in North Carolina and then I've spent a lot of time in the Caribbean, Puerto Rico. I've been on the West Coast a lot working on projects, but I've never had a base camp there. So a couple weeks from tonight, Lauren and I are going to go out there for about a week, 10 days, something like that, and we're going to just, um, we're going to check out, you know, we're going to be like scouting and scoping places 
or we might be able to get some kind of a West Coast base camp. And, you know, I've talked before on this podcast about the fact that I am really interested in the Las Vegas area uh, just because the fact that, to me, it's a big experimental ground. I mean, casinos, for example, are the most hardcore practical testing ground for psychic ability that you're ever going to find. And that, that appeals to me. That excites me. And I started thinking about, like, why that is. And I, I started talking to some people recently who were telling me, like, oh, I don't feel like a lucky person. No, I, I never go to casinos. I have bad luck and nothing ever works out for me. And I started wondering, well, when in my life did I start feeling like maybe I was lucky? Because if you don't feel lucky, it's hard to make that happen artificially. You either have to organically feel it or not. I do think you can train yourself over time to feel lucky. And feeling lucky, it goes back to my book, Use the Force, A Jedi's Guide to the Law of Attraction. If you project the transmission of luck out there, then it has to create a corresponding transmission that bounces back to you. And I started thinking, when did I start feeling lucky? Well, you know, I'm not exactly sure, but I will tell you this one little odd thing that comes to mind. When I was in the sixth grade, which was the first grade of middle school in my part of the world, I had a math teacher who was actually a very nice fellow. Uh, I won't use his name here, but I I enjoyed him uh, as as a teacher. I, I was in his homeroom as well as his math class. And one day, uh, he stood in front of the class and he said, look, we're going to have a fun day for everybody in the sixth grade. So this is hundreds of people. We're going to have a a fun day. We're going to basically do a raffle. And I can't remember what you had to do to get your name in the raffle, but my understanding is that, like, everybody got their name in the raffle. And whoever wins the raffle gets to throw a pie in a teacher's face. And so, anyway, we went through the process. It finally became the big day. Here we are, the whole sixth grade, sitting in the auditorium. And they're like, all right, we got the bucket here with everybody's name in it from the sixth grade. And we're going to pull out one name, and this person gets to come up and throw a pie in a teacher's face. And guess what? They pulled out Joshua P. Warren. I couldn't believe it. I'd never really won anything up until that point in my life. I said, you got to be kidding me. I am the one who got plucked out of the bucket to throw a pie at a teacher's face. Now, I will be honest with you. I have never been a big fan of teachers. And the reason I say that is because I just don't like authority in general. Period. It doesn't matter. I'm not saying that if you're a teacher, you're a bad person. I'm just saying I don't like authority figures. It just makes me so claustrophobic. So everybody's like, yeah, they're patting me on the back, and I run up there to the front, and they give me a pie, and the teacher is my math teacher, my homeroom math teacher. This guy that I liked. 
And they're like, he's the guy who's going to take the pie. Now, do I feel like throwing a pie in this guy's face? No. But was I going to do it? Yeah, hell yeah. So here you go. Put the pie on his face. Everybody laughs. Everybody has a good time. And after that, I started thinking to myself, even though I didn't want this, and even though I really didn't enjoy doing this, I was picked somehow out of this bucket with hundreds of names in it. And the very fact that I was picked, it changed the way my mind worked and the way that I thought about reality and the world and my place in it and what was possible for me. And I really do believe that as you go through life, that if you just have one moment in your life where you have been picked to beat the odds, and frankly, it could even be that you were picked for a bad reason. Like I know people who have said, oh, they say one in a thousand people gets this tumor. I knew it was going to be me. And holy crap, yep, it was me. All right, fine. Doesn't matter if it's a good thing or a bad thing. If you can look at your entire life and you can look at a moment when you have been picked when you have been you have stood out from the crowd that right then and there may give you the inspiration that you need to start developing that momentum and turn it to transform it into something positive and something amazing that will change your life for the better so when i get out there to las vegas and I'm dabbling around with the various gambling and all that. One of the things I'm going to think about is that I was the kid. I was the kid who was chosen, who was somehow selected by some greater means to pluck, well, to be plucked from that bucket and to, uh, oh, hang on, there's a woman asking me something right now. I'm in the car. Yeah? I do have a letter. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Oh, that's well, how about that? I'm sitting in the car talking to you, and this woman just walks up and asks me for a lighter, and I give her a lighter. What does that mean? I don't know. Maybe it means nothing. But this goes to show you, this is unedited, this is real. I'm sure as hell I'm not going to stop and re-record this whole thing because the woman asked me for a lighter. As a matter of fact, I'm going to step out with this woman right now, and I'm going to talk to her, and I think she has a crazy story. All right, that's it for now, my friends. Thanks for staying interested. Thanks for being curious. There's a lot more where this came from. Go to joshuapwarren.com. Click the link at the top to get access to my podcast and to subscribe however you can through iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, we're working on new ways, or just follow me on Twitter. All right, talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.